0: FM. Welcome to a new conversation. You're listening to How She Really Does It. And I'm going to change this to be season nine. And this is going to be episode one, because I want you to be able to keep track of these conversations that I'm going to have with my good friend, Michelle Woodward, who's also an executive coach, and she's very brilliant. Um, She's going to be a visiting co-host and that's one of the things that I'm going to be playing with for this next year is having visiting co-hosts come for a number of episodes to have these conversations. I love these in-depth conversations. As soon as I get off the air with uh, my guests, I always want more. And so why not have them come back for a certain amount of time? So Michelle's an executive coach and she's joining me for eight episodes. So this is the first one. Michelle, hello and welcome.
1: Hello, and and Season 9, Episode 1 sounds like a Star Wars sequel, (laughs) I'm just going to say. Doesn't it sound like a Star Wars sequel?
0: It doesn't. I've always kind of stayed away from those. You know, a lot of podcasts have those episodes things, you know, and up until last week when when you and I did the Celebrating the Eight Years, I finally counted, and that was exhausting. So I didn't want to go into 405. But I figured if we break it down into chunks, you know, this being a season and it's the first episode... There we go, and it can be Star Wars, and that's okay because there's a lot of great information about life in Star Wars, isn't there?
1: Yes. Can I be Yoda? That's all I ask for the next <laughs> for the next eight episodes. I get to be Yoda. So.
0: <laughs> there we go. I'd like to have a Yoda. Okay. Uh, so done.
1: <laughs> I'm really thrilled to be here. I'm so glad you asked, and I, you know the the idea of helping people um, with something they can listen to and relate to and connect with and learn more from and they can listen at any time uh that works for them it's really great it's a great service
0: well you know it's awesome with technology now because it's crazy because we have worldwide listeners and i know i listen to a lot of podcasts because i can carry my phone with me so it's in the car you know it goes with me when i'm cooking and i and i know lots of listeners um, they're cleaning their house, they're, you know, driving around, doing some of the mundane stuff in their lives, but they can this can be portable with them. They don't have to change their day to fit it in. And so that's I love the the fact that technology has allowed us that opportunity where we can grow but we can fit it into our lives.
1: Absolutely. I think it's fantastic. We live in a, a Star Wars y age. Okay, that's gonna be my last Star Wars reference, I swear. <laughs> it's
0: okay. It's okay. You know, I give you permission to be you and just keep showing up.
1: I'm going to be me. (laughs) There we go.
0: Um, So today we're going to talk about building relationships for connections. And that's something that I think you do a great job of. You know, that's something that I, I work on in my own life. And one of the things that I see with a lot of my clients is that they really hunger for connecting with people and, um, and building relationships. So if we can go ahead and talk about that so that we can help the listeners out there, that'd be great today.
1: You know, this is such, it's, uh, I've learned in the course of this work that, you know, themes and messages keep coming up, coming up, coming up, usually because there's something that I need to do about it. And this particular message about, um, making relationships, connecting with people, um, forming a lot of times, I use the phrase forming alliances. A kind of uh, I've got your back, you you get mine. Kind of alliances. It, it, this um, I did a uh, interview with, with the Wall Street Journal that appeared this week. I think it appeared on Tuesday. And then I was also on uh Wall Street Journal has a kind of a, a podcast, TV podcast thing. I I did that and talked about this subject of of how why do you bother. Actually, the Wall Street Journal was what do you do when you're the when you are the subject of gossip at work? Mm -hmm. But the solution for that, for any difficult situation, is to really have relationships with people that if they're in a room and you're not in the room, that they're going to be your champion in your absence, that they're going to say, oh, I know her. She's fantastic. I don't think any of that's true. That can go so far in helping you have a really thriving and, uh, growing career. And so many of us forget that, that having an alliance with peers, with, with people who are below us, with people who are above us, you know, again, the idea, if somebody, if there's going to be a closed door meeting that I'm not in that somebody in that meeting is going to say nice things about me and, and kind of have my back, it's key do you know what I'm talking about?
0: Yes, I do know what you're talking about. And for the listeners out there who are frantically going, Oh, I want to hear that. Don't worry. I will have um, the links to the interview and also to the the web, uh, the TV show part on the show notes. So that will be on this interview page. Um, so you can just go back to here after you're listening and you can, it'll take you straight to Michelle. It'll take you to our website and it'll also take you to those, those particular links. So, Michelle, I think that's a great point about having these alliances so that you have people that have your back. How do people go about building that?
1: Well, first of all, you have to get out of the mindset that, you know, this is my job. I'm going to my job. Nobody at work is going to know a thing about me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go in, punch the clock and, you know, and just be completely unknowable. That was possible back in the day when so many of us were working at factory jobs, um, at you know jobs where you did punch a clock. But today, so many people are doing knowledge work um, where you are. And a lot of us are spending more time at work than we spend with our families, which is kind of sad. But you, you can't afford today to just be one of those people who comes in, punches the clock and leaves. That doesn't Mean conversely that everything about your life needs to be known to everybody. You can still have some privacy, but you need to you need to be um, you need to be out there forging relationships and creating relationships. Those are my dogs barking. I apologize. Um, forging relationships with people that are going to help you do your job better. And so, practically, how do you do it? Is that what you're wondering, or do you have another question? No, go for that. Practically, what does that look like for people? It may mean that you, um, you know, you, you make eye contact, you know, if somebody is really very, very introverted, it may mean that you need to make eye contact with others. It may mean that you need to kind of extend yourself a little bit um, by uh, asking someone to join you for lunch. Um, It may be volunteering to help someone with a project uh, so that you can create a strong working relationship. It may mean giving people well, uh, well-meaning compliments, meaning that they're not fake compliments that you don't really believe but are really true compliments. It may mean expanding your level of trust. I met with someone yesterday who's having a real crisis of trust in her, uh, in her organization because of a number of reorganization and you know uh, a key boss left. And so she's, she's having a real crisis of trust. But recognizing that she's having a car- crisis of trust is really great because then she just needs to identify people she can trust within the organization. So I, I, like so many things, Cren, I think it's you have to be you have to be open and available for, you know, t- to really create the kind of relationships you want to have in the workplace.
0: Um, so one thing. There's a dog barking. I used to do live radio. I had babies crawling in the studio, disconnected lines, and that's just how it goes. This is real life, right? right. So I'm not going to worry about that. And um, and that's just real life. Michelle has her dog with her. Um, but going back to that, one of the other things that I find that's really important, like with building relationships, is you know learning about other people's stories, right? Being being willing to hear who they are and find out who what uh, what they're willing to share. As, as a form of connecting. Don't you think that's important in the workplace?
1: Oh, I think it's vital to be open to hearing other people's stories. And, and I'll even go one step further to, to know where they'd like to go in their career and help them. You know, you and I come from a world where we talk about things like lack and abundance, mm-hmm. you know, quite frequently. And a lot of times people don't want to create relationships at work because they're afraid there's only going to be one promotion, you know, there's Mm -hmm. only going to be one manager, one vice president, whatever. But if you can have that kind of abundance thing, like if you and I were colleagues and you got promoted, I would be like totally stoked that you got promoted. Mm -hmm. And because if we had an alliance, um, it would be beneficial for me if you got promoted. Um, it would be worthwhile for me if you got promoted because it might mean really great things for me down the road. So it's not, you know, it's not that you're my rival, it's that you're my ally. Uh, Like if we were on a relay team, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, you're going to swim your leg, I'm going to swim my leg, but we're on the same team.
0: Well, and when you talk about that, that's like, instead of just thinking about like the short term, what's right here? right? It's about, let's look longer. What, you know, what may be 10 steps in front that we don't know and how can that relationship grow and flourish? Whereas if you're in that, you know, that scarcity modality and maybe somebody gets promoted and then you cut off ties because you're upset about that, you've lost the opportunity to continue cultivating a relationship that, you know, there may be opportunities later to come from. And again, when I'm saying that, I'm not saying that we're using people, but if we keep showing up and, you know, being on each other's team, we never know when those opportunities may, may come about. It's just it's just like you're talking about being a relay team or I think about like baseball or football, right? The, it's you keep showing up and sometimes the ball's gonna come your way and you're gonna be able to do something, get an out or, you know, do something with it that helps the whole team and that may opportunity may not have been there a few right. years ago.
1: And to further the baseball analogy, because <laughs> you know I'm a baseball freak, but if 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 I'm on a team with a really good first baseman, and let's say I'm a shortstop, and the, the first baseman and I get along great, and we have a lot of really great plays, and then he gets traded to another team, right? Well, down the road, I could be traded to his team again, and that... Um, that relationship, that, that sense of, I trust you. I know who you are. I value your work really comes into play. I'll, I'll give you an example of this. Um, in 2004, I was asked to work on president, uh, Reagan's state funeral, which he died on a Saturday. The body arrived in Washington, DC on Wednesday, the state funeral was at the national cathedral on Friday. Oh. And, uh, then the The plane carried his body back to California where he he was uh, interred there in California. So it happened really quick. How did we pull that off so quickly? Well, um, I was one of the key six people that were organizing it. But people started calling me and saying, hey, Michelle, I want to come help. And these were all people that I'd worked with, you know, very intensely. I knew exactly what they were capable of. I knew what their strengths were. I knew I could count on them. And so, you know, it's like people came out of the woodwork from all over the country, but we'd all worked together before. So I could turn to somebody and say, you remember that thing we did that time in Des Moines? We need to do that again. And I had no doubt that they would execute that. Whether we had talked to each other within the past five years or 20 years or whatever, it didn't matter. What mattered was that moment, I knew exactly what to expect from them. And that is the kind of relationship that is really beneficial to anybody in their career, because today the research shows that about 95% of jobs are filled by an internal personal referral. So again, in that lack and abundance, if I live in abundance, and you take a job outside the company, I've just, I have now an ally in another company. So if there's a job that's good for me, or I want to make a move, I can call my friend, my ally and say, hey, I'm thinking of coming over to your company. What do you think? Gosh, we have a great job for you. Or they'll call you and say, there's a great job for you. Mm -hmm. And so it is not just, um, you know, what can you do for me? It's, it's, you've got to do things for them. It's going to be a two way street, but you're right. You never know where people are going to end up. And that's the, that's really one of the great upsides. And
0: when you talk about this, I think the important thing that keeps coming up for me is that when you're you're building these relationships, it's not in that transactional mindset, I'm going to do this for you and I'm going to keep a scorecard, but it's rooted in this place of well-being for you because when you can be happy for a colleague or for a friend, right, when they get a promotion, the cost to you is less, isn't it?
1: It's like every day I plant seeds, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm like Johnny Appleseed. Uh you know, I I I do nice things for people, I connect people, I send things people's way, I refer business, and that's not a transactional, I don't have a list. I'm just thinking every time I do that, I'm I'm creating goodwill and someday it will pay off. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where, how, or who. Mm-hmm. But I, I I just in my experience in life, it always pays off. Like somebody called me yesterday about a corporate coaching gig. Um, it was somebody that I had referred some business to about four years ago. And this is coaching a, you know, a VP who runs a division. It's, you know, it's a multiple thousands of dollars kind of piece of work. And that came from five years ago, sending a nice piece of business to somebody with no, no strings attached. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know, and that that makes me think because sometimes when I would hear strategic alliances, that would really bother me because it would feel like, you know, how there's that feeling of somebody's helping you because they're out to get something later on. But and that feels different than this planting seeds, because it's about how can you help? How can you be of service? And I think about that in my own life, the people that I go and I help because I'm like, hey, I know these people. Here's your problem. And I know this person, if they can't help you with the solution, they can at least take you to that next step. Let me connect you. And there's just so much pure joy in that part um, that I really love that. Where there have been times that um, I felt some strategic connection, right? Where it was, and but that was different. It was, well, I'm going to do this for you. And then what are you going to do back for me? Have right. you, have you felt that too?
1: Oh my gosh, it's the worst feeling in the world, I think. Mm -hmm. It's like I've had people who've, uh, a handful, small handful of people who've taken some class or program that I've offered Mm -hmm. and then come to me very incensed that I'm not in a strategic alliance with them. In in other words, they kind of thought it was pay to play, Mm -hmm. that if they took my program, then I would start referring them business. Mm -hmm. And that's just not how I, I, I don't, there's no... There's no admission fee. Do you know what I mean? It, it felt so creepy to me that they would say, well, I thought that's how it worked. I would hire you for this and then you'd, you know, send me thousands and thousands of dollars worth of business and you no, know, should ask me first. You know, I would have told you that's not the case. So I think that kind of transactional thing, people read that and it is ooky energy. It's just not, it's not fun and it's not really creating anything where that, that kind of open, you know, open hand, let me, let me extend myself here because I want to, I want to help craft a solution, right? I'm going to extend myself, put my hand out there and help because I want to extend, you know, create a solution. That's a totally different energy than I'm going to do this because I'm going to get something.
0: Well, and I mean, there are people that do that, right? It is that pay to play. And so there are those systems out there for people but that's not the system. That's not how you operate.
1: Well, it's not how you make enduring long-term <laughs> relationships. You know? And what I'm talking about is the kind of relationship that is strong enough that even if you do fall out of contact, mm-hmm. and I think I've learned this on LinkedIn, uh, uh, you, know, you fall out of contact. But when someone sends an email like, oh, I'm delighted to hear from her,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I, you know, I, oh, I, I forgot how much I liked him. Can't wait to see what he's up to. That's mm-hmm. that's the kind of relationships you want to build because again, the other thing that it comes down to is also your personal brand. So if you have a personal brand of being a stand-up person, you know, a person of, of good integrity, a person who helps others, you know, who's that kind of connecting, open-handed, great things happen for you because you have a super personal brand. And people do remember and think, oh, yeah, I want to bring her into this project. You know, I want to bring him into this project because I, I, I know him and he's a good guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's so much better to deal with in a long-term career management than to deal with what a jerk that guy is. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes doesn't it seem like the jerks win? Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: Well, because there's that whole fraternity of them, right? And they just keep bringing each other. But so, you know, one of the things that I have observed, and you talk about themes and stuff, but I've put together in, in all my years of coaching is kind of where are we rooted? You know, are we rooted in this place of fear or shame? And, you know, shame has, has the components of comparison and scarcity. Are we rooted in this place of well-being or whole, wholeheartedness or, you know, maybe love? Like, you know, where we're just really grounded in, in our own authenticity. And as you talk about how you do business and how you be in the world, it's you. It sounds like it's you rooted in your authentic way. Not sca- You're not in that scarce mindset, Right. So you can show up and be you and be helpful because even just if you're helpful, my, I imagine knowing you that that just feels good when you can make that connection. It just feels good right then to say, hey, let me connect these two people. I think you two can, you know, there can be something here.
1: Right. I mean, it's very rewarding. I'm a, I'm a crossword puzzle person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, every morning I sit down with the crossword puzzle and I do the crossword puzzle and I tell myself it's because I'm keeping my brain healthy. <laughs> but really, I just love doing the crossword puzzles. And um, to me, when I connect two people who could benefit from knowing one another, um, I'm, it's like doing a crossword puzzle and I have the, the delight, the same kind of level of delight in doing that as I do, you know, putting the puzzle down with every square foot fil- completely filled out correctly. You know, it's just like, yay me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and then I go, you know, then I go forward. Um, but I do think it creates a really positive energy, you know, and it, it, it it's, I read, uh, or I saw a, a, a commencement speech by this um, guy who's a, a, like a four-star general or, or something. And he was talking about, why do they make Navy SEALs um, make their bed every morning? You know, what's, why is this? And it has to be perfect. You know, they don't just make their beds. They make their beds perfectly. Mm-hmm. And he was, he said, well, you know, when I was, when he was in the Navy SEAL, I guess he's a Navy guy then, but it, when he was in SEAL training, he was like, why are they putting all this effort on whether or not we make our beds and whether, you know, we make them properly? and he said and it wasn't till later that he realized it's because you start the day with one thing done right. Ooh. And you know in a in a world where there's a lot that we don't control and a lot that can kind of not go right because of other people's stuff. There's one thing that I can be in charge of, I have a well-made bed. I I I really thought that was kind of terrific. So If you kind of extrapolate that out, you know, if I connect people and something fantastic happens as a result of it, even if the fantastic thing is one person feels understood where they didn't feel understood before, then that's like I started the day doing something good.
0: Mm -hmm. And you have that evidence to build on throughout the day. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to try that one on my kids. (laughs) (laughs) I'm <laughs> not gonna be too pleased. Um so when when we talk about the building relationships and you you know, and cultivating those relationships, that's a word that I use is how do you cultivate? I look for people that have um that are also not in that transactional mindset, right? Where maybe our values are aligned or I mean I, I think a lot of our values are very similar, right? And um, it's not about what can you do for me and what can I do for you type of thing, like walking into that. I'm always very, um, I don't really know if I walk into that anymore because um, I don't really like to give my time in that area. But um, but it's about finding, you know, who your people are and the relationships you're going to build in the workforce, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And and I think you're right. Finding people who are aligned with you in terms of integrity Uh, in terms of values and um, kind of general approaches. And I've seen people over this sweep of my career, you know, who've who've somehow created alliances at work that are not good alliances for them. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the people who maybe compromise, um, who, you know, cheat on their expense reports or, um, you know, there used to be a saying when I worked at the white house was wheels up rings off, you know? Mm-hmm. So once you, once the plane leaves the ground, you know, all the secret service agents and all the, the staff, you know, you're, you're for this tri- the duration of this trip, no longer married. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't hang out with those people mm-hmm. because I found that to be sort of very unsettling mm-hmm. to me. And, and so again, I think you do need to make alliances with people who are like you. Um, uh, aligned in some way with you. Uh, but also it's, it does help to have diversity of friends, you know, and mm-hmm. diversity of connections and people with different experiences, but at their core that they are, you know, that you have those vital similarities.
0: Well, and isn't it like with the wheels up to no rings, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, you sit there in a place of judgment, you can have a, a workplace relationship with, but you're at, at you know, when the ground, when you touch the ground or whatever, and the the night prowling will happen, maybe you don't partake in those activities, right? right? You can find ways to have a working relationship that can be effective, even if that fundamental value is very different. Isn't that right?
1: You know, yes. And however, Mm -hmm. if you really want to have an alliance with somebody, you know, that somebody who's going to have your back
0: Mm -hmm.
1: when they're, when the door is shut and you're not in the meeting it might be challenging to have that person be somebody who whose behavior is not um widely uh endorsed. How's that for a no. political way of saying it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you know, if you got the biggest kind of windbag bag in the office who's your, you know, your champion, that actually might might rub off on you in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Well, and
0: and I don't mean about building an alliance, I guess I need to clarify that, but just to have, because I think sometimes we look for that utopia in the workplace, and there's always going to be people that we don't get along with. But, you know, how can, you know, it's like even being on a team, there are times that you, you know, as a coach, we would say, look, you don't have to like everybody, but we're teammates, right? And we need to work together on this, despite our differences, Right. And that's kind of what I was looking at. Not for def and I'm glad you clarified cuz not about the alliance piece or the person having your back, but about how can you still have an effective workplace even with very dissimilar values?
1: Right. And that I think that is actually such a great point because so many people get um all wrapped up in, you know, this is my mortal enemy. You know, I, you know, I'm going to I'm I'm going to behave badly because I don't like this person or some person whatever any person, but then, then that you, all your energy is spent towards like defeating your arch enemy as opposed to, you know, getting the work done. And sometimes it's actually a distraction or a, uh, you know, where we're putting up a deflecting instead of looking at what is the true nature of what's going on here. Um, because they're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe Carol's in the room, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it just misplaced energy. They're on your team. You have to work with them. Doesn't mean you have to be their best friend. Doesn't mean you have to be in, a, in an alliance with them. But it does mean that you have to kind of be professional and not let it not let that person's attitude and behavior keep you from the things that you want to accomplish.
0: And I always think the question to ask ourselves is, what is the cost to me? Like if I'm sitting there looking at Carol and judging her, how do I feel after I do that? Right. right, and usually I'm not feeling very good. Maybe in that moment I've had the superiority, you know, where I'm like, "Ooh, I'm kind of puffed up," but then afterwards I'm probably feeling a bit shameful because you know, why was I doing that? That doesn't feel good. How would I want you know if somebody did that to me? How would I right. feel?
1: And and see, I didn't say but I said and <laughs> and um, <laughs> there's a difference between judging and discerning, right? Ooh, right. I I, I really I think sometimes we we put up with bad behavior because we don't want to judge because we've been told, don't judge. It's not good to judge. You know, I don't want to be a judgy person, but, but discerning that somebody is challenged when it comes to morals, noticing that somebody is unscrupulous, noticing that somebody is, um, you know, being a bully And the definition of bullying is not just being unpleasant, but a bully is actually somebody who wants to destroy you uh, and keep you from destroy your sense of self and keep you from being able to do what you've been asked to do. That's the actual definition of bullying. So if you're in a workplace where you notice this, you know, I would say, don't say, oh, my gosh, I, I can't believe I'm judging Carol. I would say, hey, I'm discerning something here that's giving me difficulty. And I want to I want to ascertain whether that's actually true. What I'm discerning, is it actually true? And if it's true that you have a toxic person in your midst, you owe it to yourself to protect yourself.
0: Uh, you know, thank you for that, um, that explanation because that's really, really important because we could go from, oh, well, we can't judge – to we need to let all our boundaries go down, right? To actually discerning, which is actually probably in between the judgment and no boundaries. It's that space in between where you're checking in. Right.
1: Right. Because I, and I, I say this to my clients all the time, you know, it is completely fair when something hurts to say, ouch. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to be in a situation where something hurts and you're not allowing yourself to say, ouch.
0: Mmm that's really good. It's really good. Well, I want to go back into, you know, just building relationships and um and, and you know even outside the workplace of a forming alliances, but building relationships because that's what I see as a big struggle with a lot of my clients. Um that connection, that belonging versus fitting in. And I'm not sure if you're seeing that too. Um but what, how do you talk with your clients about creating belonging and building connections?
1: Well, you know, I think sometimes it's, we're all still replaying middle school. You know, <laughs> don't you think it's like, <laughs> uh, and, and sometimes we want to belong somewhere just because we think somehow the cool people mm-hmm. are in that particular setting or, you know, it's, it's some sort of the, it's the cool kids table, lunch table. And, and, and so often when people complain about, or come to me with, you know, I just, I, 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 am not in essence, they say I'm not in with the cool kids at work. Or I, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm, some people have said to me, I'm lonely, you know, and I need a connection. It's, it's fine to be lonely. I mean, be, to, to have the awareness that you're lonely is actually a fine thing. It's a great ability to start self-care, but I think you need to know what you want to move toward, rather than just being motivated by what you want to move. You want to move away from, right? So, if I want to move towards connection and um, being seen and being known, then I may have to do make some risks. I may have to put myself out there. You know, if you're an introverted soul. Um, And you feel that you're not seen and you're not, people don't know you, then you may have to do something which feels hard, which might be putting yourself um, in a situation where you have to use more of your extroversion because everybody has everything. It's just what do we use? And so um, I would say, why do you, you know, what, what are you seeking and why do you think you need it is the first question anybody needs to ask themselves. And then what would feel, what would feel um, rewarding to get, you know, to get involved with Um, what kind of connection would really matter at this point. And, and that's another thing that I think I, I hear people, Oh, I'm so busy. You know, I'm, I'm at work 12 hours a day. When I come home, you know, all I want to do is put my feet up and, you know, or or I've got to do homework with my kids or blah, 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 blah. And some people also feel, you know, that, that if they're long-term married, that they can't have a life outside of their marriage, you know, that they need, to, they need to just kind of only be with their spouse. And so I think you have to look if you have any of those kind of limiting beliefs. And um, I've always felt that if you're in a long-term committed relationship, one of the best things that you can do is have really interesting things to bring back to the relationship. So if you volunteer to, to tutor a kid, You know, in math once a week because you're a math person or you're a CFO. You know, then you can come back to your spouse and say, "Oh my gosh, you know, my kid now understands variable equations. That's so awesome." You know, and that's a great energy to bring back to um, to a relationship. I think. What do you think?
0: No, I I definitely do like having outside stuff so that you can come back home and discuss. And I mean, this is what happens. My husband and I, you know, we're connected, but we our days can be very independent of each other. Right. And we have some ways, some very similar ways of how we can help people make the world better in some ways we have different and just listening to each other's day a bit or talking about it. We will, you know, take stuff from each other. Right. And, um, and apply it into our professional worlds of how we can help people. So I think that's a great way. And then the other thing is that, um, you know, my husband's way more introverted. Like I used to think I was an extrovert, but I'm really an ambivert. I go, I need my downtime and alone time, but I do like to connect with people, but I like to connect with people like more, you know, small group or one-on-one. And, um, and whereas my husband is like, I've had enough people and he really wants to come home. So I have found that I go and integrate my relationships, my friendships with people in times that don't come into the family life. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. So like coffee, lunch, um, yep. that sort
0: of thing. Yeah. Right. Cause our family value is to have family dinners and that's harder as our kids have gotten older and you have all these sports things in the evenings, but you know, like that time is really family time. And as you know, right. Being the empty nester that you are, it goes really fast. Um, and soon they'll be gone. And so how can I protect that time and where are other areas in my life that I can create some space to go and connect and fill up that bucket that I want to fill? Right. Otherwise, I think when I used to wait for my husband thinking he needed to be a part of it, it was never happening. Or the amount of energy that took to get him to go do something with me was exhausting. Right. Right. So understanding that and giving him his space and then doing what the things that I need to do to fill up myself.
1: You know, I had a friend who uh, I still have this friend, but she uh, moved from Washington, D.C. to uh, Greenwich, Connecticut. And she had five children, and she was fantastic, you know, just a fantastic person. And, and uh, you know, so I was catching up with her about three months into the move, and I said, how are things going? And she said, you know, nobody over 40 here wants a new friend. And it's interesting to me the number of people who I've heard say, you know, nobody makes new friends after 40. And so, they, again, they have that kind of limiting belief in their mind, you know, I've got all the friends I need, you know. It's too much work to have friends, whatever. And so they don't put themselves in situations where they can meet new people. What happens then is they get totally bored or they get a very limited sort of network. And then they're wondering why things are not really happening in their life. So I, when my friend told me that nobody wanted a new friend, I'm like, gosh, if nobody wants you as their new friend, I'm never moving to Greenwich. (laughs) You know what I mean? But the truth is, I make, I feel like I make new friends every week. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's a really rich experience. It's a really rich life. I get to hear a lot of people's stories, you know, and I get to, to um, you know, connect a lot of people. And it can be a very rich and rewarding uh, life. And so I think it's just that mindset to get out of, you know, I don't need any new friends or, you know, I don't need anything beyond my family. Because, um, like, I'm an empty nester now. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's like my kids are still, we're still very connected but it's a different experience. And if I didn't have my network of professional friends and friends and family, you know, I don't know what I'd be doing. Mm-hmm. Aren't you an introvert? Hell, hell. Can I swear? <laughs> yeah, No, no, I am not. an. I'm like, I am If on the Myers-Briggs scale, you know, when it's like extraordinarily well expressed, I am, I am, there's no room left at the end of the, um, at the end of the, the scale for me. I'm like, I'm like uh, in Spinal Tap, turn it to 11. That's me.
0: Oh, turn, okay.
1: Turn my extroversion to 11. However, uh, you know, Jung's theory is that at some point in life you become integrated so you know when it's appropriate to get your energy from people and then how to get your energy from being reflected, reflective and on all the dim- dimensions of Myers-Briggs that, you know, the like Maslow would call it being self-actualized, that you you become able to draw on all those different dimensions of your personality at will when it's going to serve you best. So, um, I do believe that I am pretty well integrated on how I get my energy. Um, but I really do. I, I get a ton of energy from being with people.
0: Okay. Um, now, I think that's a great point that you make of that, of that friendship thing, because I hear that a lot, like, oh, well, I've moved to a new town and everybody's been friends since they were in high school or whatever, right? And this idea that who knows, there's always different experiences. And and, and I I always say everybody has a story and there's some stories that are going to really resonate and I'm going to really want to connect with. And there's some stories that they because of my own experiences, I may not be as connected with but it doesn't mean that that story is not as valuable we just may not be the right fit what do you think about that
1: well i think that's true and then to also recognize that you know people are in different places in terms of their mm-hmm. their growth and their development and their ability to understand you know their spiritual growth you know people are just in different places and just because we might not be in the same place at the same time doesn't mean that either of us are in the wrong place mm-hmm. it's just that this point in time, it's not, it's not, there's like nothing gelling that doesn't, you know, that's the, not a, doesn't have to be a judgy thing. It can just be a, like a noticing thing. And then you just, you know, move on because also you never know where people are going to end up, Mm -hmm. um, how they,
0: yeah, how they grow, how they personally transform.
1: Exactly. Right. And you know, the, the thing that also that I, I hear people saying, is like, Oh, you know, I want to keep my professional life and my personal life you know, really separate. So I don't want to use my personal network to find me a new job. Mm-hmm. Really, that's, that's often about shame and vulnerability. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to appear to be needy mm-hmm. in front of my family or friends. However, if you can do it, you know, if you can enlist the people who know you best in your endeavor to get something accomplished. Those those are the people who can really help you the most, and so it's sort of taking the time to look at what is my resistance here, what am I really resisting? I'm not resisting asking my cousin for help. I'm resisting um, being vulnerable in front of my cousin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But as you know, as well, you know, displaying appropriate vulnerability is what actually causes relationships to grow deeper. Good mm-hmm. so solid relationships grow deeper. Mm-hmm. And it takes
0: courage, right? And to ask for help because the voice of shame is I can do it alone, right? right? Or I should do it alone.
1: Exactly right. I should do it alone, especially for men. You know, about half my clients are male. Um, And I I love my male clients. I mean, I I love my guy clients. I I really do. But for a lot of them, the sheer act of calling a coach and saying, I need a coach. I need some help here. um is huge for a lot of men because they're, you know, rugged individualists, especially if they're here in the the United States, but even around the world, as I actually have clients around the world, but um, it's really hard for guys to admit that they need help. But when they do, you know, and and when we really connect and click as coach and client, you know, I've seen them just make amazing, amazing leaps and bounds in their meeting their goals, it's, it's, it's really heartwarming, but it does take that bravery of making, sometimes making that initial phone call or, um, or, you know, saying I need some help.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it's so fascinating because you know, I think men culturally grow up with sports, whether they, you know, play in it or watch it, right. They grow up with sports and they see, I mean, even, even if you're Tiger Woods, you have a coach, <laughs> right? Like you don't, you don't become this great athlete, whether it's an individual sport or a team sport without having a team or without having a coach or without having some sort of support, right? But then this idea that professionally or in your personal life that you need to go it alone. I mean, that there's a huge dichotomy there uh, between what they experience in one part of their life and then in another. And it's unfortunate that There can't be this bridge of, hey, look how effective it is over here to have a team of people, right? And why not have the same team of people here? And I mean, and it could be a partner as being part of the team of a sounding board, but realizing that you don't need to go it alone and that you can have a team and that doesn't mean you're weak.
1: That's right. I mean, I think when any of us male or female um, get to that point when we realize that, you know. We're all connected, mm-hmm. and then we can help one another. Um, you know, and it takes a village, right, to get us through our our challenges in life. Then that is really the moment when you feel deeply connected, deeply seen, deeply valued. I mean, I do think one of the things that's happened since the economy changed, um, you know, globally in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, is a lot of times organizations um, don't particularly focus as much on how valued their employees are. You know, we've gotten to the place where a lot of times employees are just widgets, you know, Mm -hmm. like we're going to let, we're going to let a thousand people go next week and it has nothing to do with performance. It has something to do with metrics. Um, You know, people are crying out to be known and seen in this world. And so if you can, you know, a show again, appropriate, um vulnerability and ask for help it can be a huge relief for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Andrew Carnegie has a saying of leave me um take away my people and leave me my factories and grass will grow. Leave me my people and take away my factories and we'll build something new. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what's kind of missing in our workforce these days is that people become um and just numbers instead of realizing that they're valuable and um and they matter, right?
1: You know, I had a an HR executive say, yeah, we want to move the, we want to move the metric on employee satisfaction. We want to move that up 1.6% in the next quarter. <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> come on now, you know, I mean, please stop.
0: So, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if you can't measure it, it's not real. That's uh, exactly right. So, I want to go back before we wrap up to this idea about asking for, you know, ta- using your network, right? Your friendship network. And one of the things, again, like when you go back to where is it rooted? Like when we go to our friends or maybe colleagues or people who may be on the outer circles of our life, right? Or, or inner circles, like we know them through school or whatever. Don't you think it's important, like to be rooted in this place of where when you're, you're ha- discussing, it's that planting the seeds. Or I always like to say it's an invitation, not an obligation right? Because sometimes I think we're afraid to show up because we don't want, I know this is my thing. I don't want to impose, right? I don't want to be that imposing creature. And so I won't, I won't ask. And so a lot of times I'll preface it with, this is an invitation. It's not an obligation. You know, how can, um, is this something that you would be interested in or, you know, however it may be, whatever the ask is, um, what are your thoughts about that?
1: Well, you know, uh, um, I think it sometimes it's only an obligation if that's the energy we care carry into mm-hmm. the interchange with the other person. Mm-hmm. You know, if we, if we can have the kind of energy around, I am totally excited about this. I want to share this with you because I'm totally excited about this. Then naturally people will come to you, be interested in it because you're so interested in it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think if we carry that, uh, that kind of that, like I am not, totally sure that this is the right thing. Um, But I'm going to try to trick people into giving me money or, you know, getting me um, an interview or whatever. Um, Then if we don't believe it, we're not, we can't stand behind it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say a lot of times when I, Oh, I don't want to obligate people. Gosh, that's something good to explore. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh my, whatever I'm offering is like so heinous. (laughs) you know, that I have to, I have to like, I have to kind of sidle into it. It means that I'm not owning it. I'm not owning it myself. A lot of times I think that's true. Do you think that's true or am I way off base? No, I think that's one way. I mean,
0: I think for me, it's more, um, it's more my own family of origin stuff, right? Like I had a mother who I would watch get what she wanted in a very aggressive manner. Um, and I just didn't want to do that. And so I would dim my own light. And so for me, it's about how can I show up? Because this is this is just an opportunity, right? Why, just ask. Like, get, I, For me, it's about giving myself permission to ask. And I do think you're right about that energy. Because I think when I show up with that permission to ask, it's very open. Versus um, when I want somebody to do something and I'm very invested in that outcome, there's a very different energy that I'm coming across. My tone's probably different. My body language is very different um but i my my awareness has to do with it's that pendulum i think i went from growing up as a child seeing a pendulum at one area and i went to the other right and now i'm trying to find that space in between
1: you know i did a facebook post uh i think last week or the week before um where i had some success that i don't even remember what the success was and i just put like a hashtag which i know my kids say mom nobody hashtags on facebook i'm like okay i got it it's just funny But um, I hashtag yay me Mm -hmm. because I do believe that not all of us say yay me enough
0: Mm -hmm. when
1: we've we've when we've accomplished something that really matters. Um, And I and I think the way I tried to phrase it, not in a way that was like shine the spotlight on me, but in in a way I wanted to say to the public, you know, we all should be saying yay me. Oh, I remember what it was. I was at a baseball game with a friend and I checked my analytics on my newsletter and my newsletter was up and I just said under my breath, yay me. And she says, did you just say yay me? (laughs) Like, yeah, I said yay me because if I don't say yay me, who's going to say it? Mm -hmm. And I think there's a, there is a fine line between being, you know, kind of, um, a spotlight seeking person, which can be off putting. And another, just kind of calmly claiming, hey, this feels like something really good, because when I do that, I allow other people to reciprocate. And then we have a situation where people are really owning their own success, which I think if we could all own our own success with calmness, centered groundedness, it could actually freaking change the world.
0: Oh, it could, because we'd let go of scarcity.
1: Right. Right.
0: Right, we let go of that voice in the back of our head that says we're not enough, and when right. we and when we can just own it, and this and it can be the small things, and it's like that evidence of the the bed being made. Like, okay, I did one thing right. I started my day out right. I made my bed, and then how can you build on that instead of jumping out of bed and having all this evidence of how? the day has been a disaster because how often do we hear that? Oh my gosh, this morning, right? How did it start? But if you can make that bed, at least that's one bit of evidence that you get to put in your back pocket. Exactly right. All right, Michelle. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to episode two with you. And um, we're going to talk, I think, about managing through crisis.
1: Help you, I will.
0: All right. So that was Michelle Woodward, my good friend. I have links in the show notes um, with her website so you can follow her. She w- writes a great weekly blog and she has a newsletter that comes out every week. It's every Sunday. And also for those of you guys listening, I also have a newsletter that comes out every Friday and it has this interview along with uh, a couple of previous interviews and then just some thoughts from my brain about kind of what's going on, just something short to read. So thinking about this building relationships piece is that, you know, giving yourself permission that we're hardwired for connection. When I was so achievement focused, you know, when I was first setting out in my career and I was trying to prove my worthiness, my whole, all I spent all my units of energy in that achievement bucket or, you know, even meaning and purpose and not really giving myself permission for that space of relationships. Um, because it was like oh what can i do you know what needs to be done that checklist and not giving myself that permission to connect with others and that's something that's really important to me i really love people i love being around people i love to talk i love to listen you know i love to have these conversations hence the reason i'm still here after 8 years right and now doing something a bit differently with having a visiting co-host so that we can just continue to have these awesome conversations, whether I have them on air or off there, but I can have them here for you guys. Um, but so I, you know, I invite you guys to give yourself permission. What is it that you need? What does it look like in these relationships you want to build? Are you trying to build alliances as Michelle says in the workplace, you know, maybe it's about building alliances in the PTA or in your kid's school or, you know, um, on an athletic team that maybe your child's a part of, or maybe it's part of your community. How do you build alliances? You know, where, and where are your roots? Maybe you're moving constantly, you know, or for me, I've been in this community since 1990. So what is that? Um, I've been here for 24 years. Is that right? Oh my gosh. Um, and this is the longest I've ever been in one place to be in this community for 24 years. And with that, with the relationships that I built is that as things have changed in my life, in my circumstances, sometimes those people go in and out, right? Or sometimes people that I was really connected to, maybe they've gone off and moved away, but then they come back, right? So it can be a fluid thing, but what is the relationship that you want to build? What are the things that you want to cultivate? And how are you going to do that? Aligning that with your values, I mean, obviously both Michelle and I are not a pay for play, right? Where you get to pay for my friendship or, you know, you pay for this program and then we develop this friendship. I let you into the inside. That's, and we're not, but we, neither of us are transactional, right? That's strategic. I remember when I used to hear that, oh, build strategic alliances. I'd like run away because that for me felt dirty. What I realized is that where is it rooted, right? If you're building like if it's about, when I think about who is it that I want to go spend time with, there's a strategy behind that, right? It's strategic, but it's in being deliberate with where I want to spend my time because that is a limited resource that I have. I have X amount and a lot of it is chunked up, whether it's to my family or the work that I do or commitments that I make or the show. So in that space that I have left, where do who do I want to spend it to, with? Who are the people? that when I'm around them, that I get energy from, right? It just, I walk away from there and I'm like, whoo, revitalized. I'm just energetic. It's a great way to start the day. This morning, I had coffee with a friend and we haven't been able to connect in a while. We'd see each other kind of in passing and stuff. And I've known her for a long time. And it was great. I just love the energy of that conversation. I came back and was ready to jump on, you know, this interview with Michelle. So think about that being really deliberate. It was just a way For us to go and connect, right? A building a relationship. Who are the people that you want to build relationships with? And sometimes you may think that there's going to be, you know, oh, this is who this person is. There's a story about this person and you think this is how the relationship is going to be. And then you go and you do it a little bit and you're like, oh, we're just not the right fit. We're not in the right place. It doesn't mean that you wasted your time. That's a really important concept. So often I see, oh, well, that was such a waste of my time. I can't believe I distracted that. And then they get all caught up in that. You just got some information, right? But it's it's really important to be aware of, you know, is this somebody that I get energized around or is this person more draining? And being aware of that so that you can make more deliberate choices. And being aware of like, well, why do I want to be with this person? Is it because they're the popular people and then they're going to get me that, whatever it is that you think you're going to get? And, and then checking in is what I think is going to happen really what's happening, right? So what are the relationships that you want to cultivate? What are the relationships that you have that you want to have in your life or that you want to continue to build on? You know, and one of the things that I've been saying a lot in my house the last few weeks and with my clients is that. Small things matter, right? I used to tell my clients all the time that, you know, small hinges can move big doors. And in my house, I've been really small things matter. You know, whether you pick up that dental floss or, you know, hang up your backpack so it's out of the walkway, it's accumulation of those small things that over time that matter. And this isn't to say that, um, you know, I'm trying to be anal, but it's the small things, it's the small choices that we make, they start to create a trajectory right? Are you following the boundaries of somebody? Are you respecting somebody's boundaries? Are you constantly pushing against it? That's going to be draining, right? The small things matter. And how are you building the connections that you want? Not that you're supposed to have or that you're comparing, you know, I used to do this to sex in the city. Oh, I wanted that, you know, every Sunday out to brunch with my girlfriends, right? Well, every Sunday, if I'm going to be not, you know, in the Bikram studio or working out, I'm usually going to be home with my family connecting because that's our time together. Or maybe I'll go on a walk early in the morning with a girlfriend and then come home to be able to be connecting. So what are the relationships that you want to cultivate in your life? That's what's really becomes important. Giving yourself permission to ask for it, right? To connect, being vulnerable and reaching out to people and saying, this is what I'd like. Would you like to go and sit with me or would you like to go and have coffee? And maybe they'll say no. Or maybe they'll say yes, but you don't know until you're willing to take that courage. And the other part is, is that I love how Michelle talked about yay for me, right? And that can even be something you say in your head, but celebrating your small victories and nothing's too small, right? Maybe you celebrate the fact that, hey, I made my bed because those are the small steps that create true behavioral change. Because now you have, have evidences. I'm a person who takes care of herself. I like to have my bed made at the start of the day. Right. Cause that way it looks fresh. Or, you know, yay, I, I had I made my coffee or whatever it is. Whatever it is that you can say, yay for me. Hashtag yay for me. And finally it comes down to the roots. You know, where are you rooted? Are you rooted in fear and shame? Or are you grounded in your roots? Where you can really grow this resilient life. Like I think of a tree, right? Where your your roots are solid, the soil is great, and you're gonna build this strong, sturdy tree that's so resilient. That's my hope for you. If you have questions for Michelle or I, please email me at howshereallydoesit.com. There's a contact page. Send me an email and we'll take a look at your question and see if that might be a subject matter we want to talk about or we can a- answer that question. So it.com and go to the contact page. Thanks for listening to How She Really Does It. I invite you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter at it.com. I do this show each week for you so you can now see the windows of possibilities in your own life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way or only saw closed doors. With this show, maybe you can now see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibility. Each week, I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and uncertainty, yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap. Fall down and get back up. I invite you into this space so you can ask yourself if that is possible for them, what is possible for me? Really ask yourself that. I would love to connect with you. Please join me at www.howshereallydoesit.com and thanks for listening today. She is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide awake.